Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. <laughs> and thank you for subscribing to the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I am your boy, 12 Kyle. Check this out. <laughs> On this episode, we're going back. Uh, at the time of this recording, it is Hip Hop Month. Uh, it's been Hip Hop Week. Uh, if you've been hiding under a rock or you missed the memo, um, I said this week we're going to dedicate to hip hop. We're going to celebrate hip hop, as you many of you know, or maybe you don't know, uh, hip hop turned 50. It's 50 years old. So a part of the celebration in hip hop turning 50, what I wanted to do was highlight and do an album review for some albums that weren't anniversary albums, um, albums that I hadn't reviewed yet. Uh, and just albums that really, to me, came at a specific time in my life and, and that I, I guess you could say resonated with me, if, if you will. And with that being said, uh, on this episode, this album that I'm going to talk about is one that did just that. Um, the album that we're going to review is uh, As Nasty As They Want to Be by the two live crew uh now i know you should probably think why in the hell <laughs> are you reviewing an album from the two live crew i'll be honest this album definitely resonated with me um this album was released february 7th 1989 and i was in high school at the time i think i was like i want to say 10th grade um and so you know relatively young um I was very familiar with Two Live Crew. Uh, this was their third studio album. I want to say I had the tape for their first two albums as well. And I do remember getting um, this album as well. I, I didn't purchase it. Uh, I copped the dub from one of the homies. But um, this album definitely resonated with me. And um, I'll kind of explain why. Um, if you're familiar with Two Live Crew, um, I mean, it goes without saying that they are legendary <laughs> for a lot of different reasons. Um, of course, the members of Two Live Crew, if you don't know, uh, Kid Fresh Ice. Oh, no, excuse me. Fresh Ice Kid. No, it was Fresh Kid Ice. I'm sorry. Fresh Kid Ice, uh, Mr. Mix, Brother Marquise, and of course, uh, Luke Skywalker at the time. Now he's known as Uncle Luke. But, um, you know, those guys from Miami uh, really introduced the Miami bass sound to rap. And it was something different. I think, first and foremost, like, for me, they were the first acts to come from the South. Um, there may have been others, but honestly, I don't remember any rappers coming from the South, period, other than Luke and the Two Live Crew. Now... Again, they weren't known as supreme lyricists. Uh, they weren't going to be any threat to, you know, LL or Run DMC or Rakim, but they had their lane. And like them or hate them, they were definitely uh, a staple in rap. It wasn't called hip hop at the time because, again, this is 1989. Um, but their impact, um, their style, what they rapped about, which we'll get into in just a second, uh, was very unique. And 
I think going out on a limb, I'm not going out on a limb by saying uh, they were very rare. There was no other, <laughs> there was nobody out like that crew. Um, and I think that's that it's safe to say just that. Um, but yeah, the album, as nasty as they want to be, uh, released February 7th, uh, 1989. Again, it was what we used to call booty shake music. And so let me go back a little bit. Uh, for me, again, I was in high school, so I'm in like 10th grade, I guess. And this music was so different from what I was used to listening to. I was used to listening to LL. I was used to listening to Run DMC, Eric B. and Rakim, uh, EPMD, all of these Slick Rick, all of these artists are the BDP. These artists are the artists that I'm listening to on a constant basis. And then Luke and the Two Live Crew come, and again, they were totally different from anything else that you would hear. Uh, obviously, they didn't get, um, you know, the first couple of albums didn't get a lot of radio play for obvious reasons. Um, but they were an act that I think me and a lot of my friends, we kind of gravitated towards. I can't really, I mean, other than them just being <laughs> wild and just saying whatever on record. Um, but honestly, the music still did resonate with me. I, I can't lie. Uh, one of the reasons is that at this particular time in hip hop or rap, if you will, because it was, like I said, it was called rap. Um, kids my age really were going to gravitate towards something that was away from the norm. We were going to gravitate towards something that we probably shouldn't be delving into. But because your parents didn't want you to listen to it, honestly, that made you want to listen even more. Um, and I've always said, like, you know, even as a parent, you know, be careful about what you ban your kids from doing. Because in you banning them, sometimes that creates the interest and the intrigue for them to you know tap into it now, I ain't talking about drugs but I mean even sometimes sometimes something as simple as drugs and alcohol um but for me you know this wasn't something that I could play out loud like I literally had to put that in my Walkman tape deck and you know Walkman and walk around or whatever like that with headphones on I mean you know this wasn't something that you could uh listen to out loud because <laughs> my mom wasn't trying to hit I mean my mom made me she made me throw away my, well, at least she told me to throw away my Easy E tape. And so, you know, if Easy E got thrown out, you knew Two Live Crew wasn't going to last. <laughs> but um, I think for me, and again, I, I can only speak for me and my friends, the way we grew up in Florence, South Carolina, like this was, it was, it was something that you wasn't supposed to listen to. So given the fact that it was something that we weren't supposed to listen to, that made me want to listen even more. And so I was intrigued by what he was talking about. Again, I mean, at that particular time, I'm in high school. Of course, I know what sex is and whatever, whatever. But it was just, it was different. Now, <laughs> if I had to describe Two Live Crew for somebody who did not know what Two Live Crew was or who they were, Two Live Crew and their music was abrasive. It was raunchy. It was um, obscene. It was problematic. It was misogynistic. It was offensive. It was a little bit of everything that you would not want anybody 
that's 12 or 13 years old to hear, right? And we loved it. <laughs> we loved it. We couldn't get enough of it. One, because up until then, I didn't know that you could come and put out a tape or an album or a what they weren't CDs at the time. I didn't know that you could put music out and just say the stuff that they were saying. Stuff was crass. It was vile. It was nasty. And we loved it. We really loved it. And the more that people told us that we shouldn't be listening, we listened. It is what it is. And one of the great things about this particular era of music, because rap wasn't so readily available, sometimes you had to sneak around to get stuff. So an album like As Nasty As They Want To Be wasn't, there are certain record stores you could go into and you couldn't find it. Not on the shelves, but you know what? They had it in the back. <laughs> so, you know, it was a uh, it was a little bit of everything. Now I'll be the first to admit. Now again, they weren't lyrical. <laughs> they weren't spitting you know lyrical miracles or anything like that that would blow you away. It was a lot of foul and crass and like I said, offensive lyrics. I mean, depending on who you are, because some people that that you know it's just it's just talk. And for others, I could see how somebody could listen to it and be really offended by what was being said because. It was very degrading. <laughs> um, and honestly, because I knew that this was going to be an album that I was going to review, uh, I had to go back and listen to it. And even in going back and listening to it, I was like, you're <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll be honest, because I had not I had not listened to this album in its entirety, um, probably in some years. Um, let me get into the tracks real quick. So the album starts off with the ever popular and chart topping uh, "Me So Horny." Now everybody knows this song. This is a a staple in in Two Live Crew's uh, catalog. Um, I can't necessarily call it a banger, but everybody knows it. And I mean, come on, man, "Me So Horny." <laughs> but I mean, it did get airplay, did get video play. Um, track two, put her in the book. And it's funny because as I read some of these lyrics, the 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 teenage me is laughing at these lyrics because I remember the songs and I remember the um you know how it went down. Uh, track three, Dick Almighty. <laughs> track four, the ever popular, Come on, babe. Then we get to track five, Dirty Nursery Rhymes. Then you get to track six, Break It On Down. Track seven, two live blues, and track eight, which was one of my boys' favorite songs. Uh, I ain't bullshitting. <laughs> then you get track nine, get loose now, and then, then you get to track ten, the fuck shop. Now I want to pause real quick. The fuck shop was a every time I every time I think about this song, I think about this one scenario. Um. And some of you may be familiar with this. Back in the day, there was a TV show. There was a, a daytime TV show, this talk show host by the name of Phil Donahue. I think I think Phil is still alive. Um, but anyway, very popular show. Uh, Phil Donahue had a TV show, a daytime TV show, talk show that came on. And he'd bring people, different people or whatever like that. And, you know, his audiences 
and his and the people that probably watched this show um were much like him middle-aged white people and so the question of obscenity and obscene music which i'll get into in a second as it relates to this album um that came into play and so on this particular episode phil donahue decides to invite luke uh, uncle luke luther campbell luke skywalker whoever you want to call him um they invite uncle luke and the crew to perform as well as be interviewed by phil donahue and luke and the two live crew perform a song called the song that I just mentioned called the, the funk shop. Now they cleaned it up obviously for TV It's called the funk shop, but they are on state on the you know panel or whatever like that performing. And there's some women up there, um, you know, two live crew dances, Luke dances, if you will. And they're up there. We didn't call it twerking back then, but they, you know, were shaking their ass, they're twerking or whatever. And, the looks <laughs> on these people's faces. Uh, again, middle-aged white people, and you got Luke and these Luke and these rap his 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 crew spitting the most obscene lyrics. Well, I mean, they're not beeping it. They, they actually are spitting the clean version, but it's still dirty. The clean version of the song, and the women up there dancing, the Luke dancers dancing. Man, when as you see the camera panning and going to different people and stuff like that. Their faces, oh my God, priceless. Um, do yourself a favor. Um, after you finish listening to this podcast, if you want to see it, I'm sure it's still on YouTube. Go to YouTube, type in Donahue Show to Live Crew. That's it. Uh, you will, will laugh your ass off. I mean, it is one of the funniest things. So every time I think about the fuck shop, I, I remember that. I remember that um that episode of Donahue. Uh, then you get to track 11, If You Believe in Having Sex, uh, track 12, uh, My Seven Bizzos, <laughs> uh, track 13, Get the Fuck Out of My House. Then you got track 14, uh, Reggae Joint, uh, which was a satire of dancehall music. Uh, then you get track 15, Fraternity Record. Then you move to track 16, Badass Bitch. Track 17, Mega Mix 3. And then last but not least, track 18, Coolin'. Now, this album, as nasty as they want to be, um, you know, like I said, was it's about almost 80 minutes long. 79 minutes, 30 seconds. Um, it was released on Atlantic Records. Uh, this album, Certified Platinum. Um, I mean, it was it was platinum on, you know, on the charts, but it was probably... Uh, quadruple platinum in the streets because when i tell you everybody had this tape everybody had the loop tape um and this album is famous it's famous because when it came out the powers that be in law actually deemed this album legally obscene it was pulled off shelves and stores. Uh, members of the Two Live Crew were arrested at points and diff different points in time for performing the songs. Um, now the ruling was later overturned by an 11th uh, Circuit judge who said that uh, the album was not obscene. It was. It was not. They didn't deem it obscene, but it was the first album to get the parental advisory sticker on the album, uh, meaning that. 
if you weren't 17 years old you could not purchase this album without the accompaniment of an adult um and that's why <laughs> i had the dub because i couldn't go to ray's record store in florida south carolina and purchase this tape um and it wasn't what is was it obscene i mean i guess it depends on what you define as obscene uh but luke credit to him and this doesn't get talked about enough in hip-hop circles but luke and the two live crew fought for their first amendment rights to rap and say whatever they wanted to say now of course you had pushback from you know people like tipper gore and people in congress who did not want to see this album uh, on shelves and part of the reason is because this album much like a lot of rap albums at the time but this one in particular was doing what we call crossing over so it crossed over so it was no longer being listened to by predominantly by mostly black kids white kids found this album and once the white kids found this album this album took off uh, uh they released four singles from this album they released uh, obviously the first single uh, me so horny uh they released Come On Babe in February of 1989. Uh, the Fuck Shop was released in 1990. And then the final uh, song that was released was uh, Coolin'. Um, but no, what happened was, if this album does not get found by, you know, white kids that live in the suburbs, then maybe the, maybe the controversy never happens. Maybe it's never legally deemed obscene. But yeah, trust and believe. Uh, <laughs> Biff bought this tape. He bought it home and he was playing it out loud and his mom could not believe what she heard when she heard it playing from his stereo. And she got upset. She told Biff's dad. Biff's dad got mad and they started a charge to, you know, <laughs> legally have this album removed off of shelves. And in 1989, you couldn't do that. Well, they did at least briefly. But again, like I said, it was thrown out by the 11th circuit judge that says that the album was not legally um, obscene. And what it did was it sparked a controversy between people on one side and people on the other side as to define what was obscene. And Luke really, Luke and the two life crew really split down the line because technically in theory, and they make a great case for it. he, he wasn't saying anything. There's no lyrics in there that tell you to shoot somebody or rape somebody or anything like that. And Luke made the point. We're consenting adults. We're talking about having sex with consented between consenting adults. So, you know, and with that being said, um, that's not obscene. We're just talking about it. <laughs> According to Luke, he would say, we're talking about it in quote unquote, our special way, <laughs> close quote. Um, and to his credit, he was correct. The First Amendment, while freedom of speech it ain't totally free, in this case it was. And so the album wasn't, you know, it wasn't obscene. Now, <laughs> again, it depends on where you, what your definition of obscenity is. Now, I mentioned a little earlier that I had to go back and listen to this album. Just for, you know, just because I hadn't listened to it in a while. I've heard singles here and there, but I haven't Man, I, I know I haven't sat and listened to this album in over 10 years. And of course, you know, for me, <laughs> when I went to go back and listen to it, on, I pulled it up on Spotify. 
first thing comes up is the album cover and the album cover is still crazy to this day that they pull that off and i'm sure that most of you or at least some of you probably will agree with me this is one of the top five album covers of hip-hop of all time uh, you got the members of the two live crew laying down flat on the beach and they're in between the legs of four uh, voluptuous women. Now, keep in mind that these women are, you know, they got it, but they don't, you know, they, they not, it, this is before BBLs, baby. <laughs> this is before you, you had to, you know, you get your little lipo or whatever like that. So these were natural women, natural black women, I should say. And so, um, the album cover in and of itself made made you it, it to me it makes me chuckle because again it, it transports me back to being a a kid in high school um but as i listened to the album i was like i was kind of bugging because i was like man i really listened to this like you know it wasn't nothing appealing about this album listening to it as a 50 year old um i wasn't offended by anything but i i did ask myself like how could you have sat through 79 minutes and 30 seconds of this? Because it, after, I mean, it, I, I guess the best way I could put it is like this. It's cool for the first three or four songs. And then after that, like, as a fan of music, as a fan of rap at the time, I probably, I probably were, probably would have been more like, okay, y'all need to rap about something else. Like, you know, because after what, the theme of the music kind of wears on you it's like okay man you know there's only but so many ways you can say or so many stories you can tell but i will give luke and the rest of two live crew credit they stretched that out they stretched that out and i mean all the as far as production wise the beats are banging and you know if nothing else you're gonna jam you're gonna you're gonna bop your head to it that's for sure um but was it a groundbreaking album no <laughs> well can you put it up there with you know, paid in full or Illmatic or any of the other greats. No. But what you did was, what you can say about this album is that it was a groundbreaking album. Um, from the perspective of Luke and the Two Live crew being able to say whatever. And they are the reason why rappers of today can get on the mic and say whatever they want to say. And, you know, for people who still buy albums or buy CDs or buy tapes, um, you know, that parental advisory sticker is still there, but I'll be honest, after we got over the novelty of the, of the, the, that sticker being there, probably by 1990, 1991, it didn't matter. Like you didn't care. And honestly, places like Ray's Records in Florence, South Carolina, they got to a point where they, they weren't going to try to keep themselves from selling, you know, the new Scarface CD or the new um ghetto boy cd or the new whatever because you know it it didn't fit in that same category i mean like no there were people that literally got locked up for selling you know two live crew albums but after that i mean once you had the parental advisory stick i don't i've never been any other place that i in that i can remember even before i turned 17 and somebody said oh this has the parental advisory sticker you can't purchase this album no my money greened, <laughs> so they were gonna take it. Um, and you know, a lot of times I will talk about uh, in an album review, like if it was a five mic album, if it was, I mean, if I'm giving, if I'm being honest, giving this this album mics, it's probably about. <clears throat> I probably say it's probably. <clears throat> excuse me, 
I probably say it's maybe two and a half. It's you know, it's, it's okay. It doesn't blow me away. I mean, but again, that's fifty year old ears. Now, in eighty nine, I probably would have given it like a three, three and a half. Um, but you know, it's solid. It 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 served its purpose, and I think more than anything else, you know, Luke never. I'm not gonna say never. He hasn't. I don't think publicly gotten the credit that he deserves for breaking down that door as far as being able to express yourself and say whatever you want to say. Now you have an opportunity and a, um, you know, a right as a consumer not to purchase this album. And Luke always said, our music ain't for everybody, but for those who get down, can get down and they know how to find our music. And he was right. And Luke was a trailblazer in that aspect, regardless of whether or not you think he can rap, Regardless of whether or not you liked his music, regardless of whether or not you thought his music was obscene, he's a pioneer in this aspect. And this album was just that. And the cool thing about this album is, for as much slack as they caught for as nasty as they want to be, Luke, being the businessman that he was, also created another album called As Clean As They Want to Be. And this didn't have any curse words. It, it, you know, they changed some of the songs. So like the, the fuck shop became the funk shop, you know, so it didn't have all the songs on it. But the cool part about it was he gave an alternative or had a pre presented an alternative for those who didn't want to buy the dirty version. You could buy the clean version. Now, I'll be honest, <laughs> at least amongst me and my peers, nobody's getting that clean version. You know, you might get that clean version maybe if you wanted to play it out you know play it in your room or something like that but nobody wasn't buying two tapes so no i'm gonna get the dirty version i'm gonna put it in my tape deck i'm gonna put it in my walkman I'm gonna put my headphones on and my mom will never hear it so that's how it was but um it was good going back and, and, and checking out this album i will i will uh implore you to do the same uh you know if you do put your 1989 ears on as opposed to your 2003 excuse me 2023 ears on but um you know you got to give uncle luke his props and and i think it, like i said it's, it's a good album it was definitely an album for the time and um you know this was it was good going down memory lane because again it takes me back to being a teenager again and um you know i think uh this album while it's it is a lot of things to a lot of different people for me it was a cool album, and I really enjoyed it. And I really enjoyed the fact that in 89, people told us not to listen, and we listened anyway. <laughs> and that's going to do it for me, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for checking out this edition of the 12 Kyle Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. The podcast drops every Thursday at midnight. From time to time, we drop bonus episodes. Uh, this is Hip Hop Week, so we're going to drop a album review every day this week and then culminating on thursday at the time of this recording um make sure that you subscribe uh the podcast can be found on all dsps um youtube channel as well so you can check us out on youtube if you feel so inclined hit us up on cash app throw a couple of dollars to the podcast dollar sign t-w-e-l-v-e-k-y-l-e again that's going to do it for me uh, i am your boy 12 kyle this has been an album review two live crews as nasty as they want to be. Again, I'm your boy 12 Kyle. I'll catch you guys next time. Five G's.